Make room for whimsy. It's Persiflage the Podcast, jamming high-quality nonsense right into your ears. The following is an advertisement. Playful boy of 40, interested in engage model trains and ancient Persian literature of the non-salacious type, with a love of sunsets and hairless dogs, seeks pen pal, female, for lengthy correspondence about how Gavrilo Princip was framed. Reply to box four. Wanted. Movies about potatoes. If you are a filmmaker between the ages of 18 and 30 and have made a film that prominently features or stars a potato, then we would like to screen your film. We are the Idaho Potato Film Festival, February 11th to 12th, 2020. We're in Boise, Idaho. Just send us a synopsis of the film a few stills, we love homemade vodka, and a check made out to cash for $400 US, and we will consider screening it. New homeowner? Still feeling a tad unsettled? Why not quickly age your home with InstaScuff? InstaScuff is a spray-on product that immediately makes any surface look like it's been abused by careless louts. Makes any new home look lived in. $3.95 per can. The Golden Book Encyclopedia informs me that although half a billion years ago trilobites were the Earth's leading animals, now we are firmly ensconced in the age of man. I'm not sure this is necessarily a good thing. While I don't personally know any trilobites, I'm guessing they're probably a fairly sedate bunch given to calmly swimming around and not really messing with each other's stuff. Of course, neither one of these things can really be said to be true of humans. I don't know about you, in so many ways, but I don't think I'd mind hanging out with trilobites. They seem, while not really friendly, I'm going by the picture in the golden book here, at least benign. During the several million years that trilobites ruled the earth, it must have been reasonably calm. I can't imagine a lot got done, but I'll bet the swimming was good. The Golden Book, contrary to my own inclination towards the trilobite, seems to be fairly fixated on the superiority of man. As proof of their assertion, they offer up the evidence of our better brains which we use to work up a scheme for communicating. Being able to talk to one another made it easier for people to work together. Golden Book again. I think that should read, could have made it easier. I hardly need to point out that before language, it wasn't really possible to yell or hurl abuse at people or to accuse them of gross incompetence. There was just a lot of grunting and squealing previous to that. No doubt some of it was pretty ill-natured, but it seems still to be preferable to me. I'd rather hear than way to be, loser, any day of the week. After all, you can pretty much take any way you like. Besides the spoken word, the Golden Book sees fit to lord over the animal's writing as another of man's great accomplishments. Once again, this doesn't seem like such a vast improvement to me. 
After all, somebody used writing to create Mein Kampf. And that's not something you can rightfully hold against the trilobites, now is it? And now, part two. Maybe it's time to consider a return to the age of trilobites. Or perhaps that is what we're already doing by driving our cars, flying in our planes, our collective planes, that is. I suspect very few of our regular listeners own private jets. Destroying our forests, poisoning our water, etc. We do seem to be dead set on ending our tenure on this planet. But even if we were all to disappear tomorrow, would the trilobites be able to mount any sort of comeback? According to Wikipedia, to which I've turned from my trusty golden books, for a more up-to-date perspective, trilobites have been extinct for some 250 million years. I'm not sure I totally buy that. I mean, are you telling me somebody checked in all the darkened corners at the very bottom of all the five oceans and found nary a trilobite quietly swimming around and minding its own business? Now, I'll grant you that 250 million years is a pretty long time to play possum, but given what a colossal ruckus we humans have been making on the old globe, wasn't there a pretty strong motivation for these little characters to keep to themselves? What if, during the Permian extinction event, or events, a few of the more enterprising trilobites found some really good hiding place and just hung out there, biding their time and waiting for a chance to reemerge? That doesn't sound impossible, does it? I mean, you would have to be a special kind of arrogant to stand up and say out loud, I guarantee that there is not a single solitary trilobite alive on Earth. If you're willing to make such a statement, then I admire your confidence. But not your chances of survival once the trilobites decide to make their presence known. But good luck to you, sir or madam. Good luck. News Roundup. It's time for the News Roundup. The Food and Drug Administration announced this week that ketchup did not, in itself, constitute a food. For 60 years, ketchup has been accepted by the FDA as a food. Since it was first discovered by a team of expatriate German scientists working in secrecy in the New Mexico desert, ketchup has been a much-loved condiment, but there has always been some debate over whether it was actually food. Certain factions within the FDA have been lobbying to have ketchup removed from the official list of foods since Nixon was in office although the president himself was said to support its inclusion, and transcripts of conversations in the Oval Office from the period support that assertion. The faction against ketchup was led by the newly named chairman, the great Dr. Waldo Pepper. Pepper, as one of his first official acts, axed ketchup from the list, although he did concede that it was mighty tasty. The International Weather Service, the organization which tracks actual weather observed by ordinary, regular, everyday people across the globe, and is not associated with those elite, overeducated goons at the World Meteorological Organization, released a report this week stating that the weather has not been great this past few days, 
but it really hasn't been too terrible either. Some parts of the planet have been sunny, or at least partly sunny, and has been a bit rainy some other places. Next week, it is expected that conditions may improve, although there is about a 50% chance they will get worse. A spokesman for the RCMP, who refused to give his name or show his credentials, stated today that across the country the crime rate has gone up. More crimes are now being committed on the second and third floors of buildings than on the first floors, or even outside on the actual ground. Defenestration rates have also climbed over the past year, and the injuries caused by defenestration have worsened in direct proportion to this climb. The RCMP guy, as the man described himself, offered no explanation for the rise. It's story time. Roderick. Roderick felt that he was losing track of his guilty secrets. There were just too many of them. He was pretty sure he must have forgotten some. This worried him a fair bit. Roderick didn't believe in God, and even if he had, he wouldn't have been inclined to atone for his sins. But he did believe in a vengeful universe, and he wanted to be sure it was punishing him for things he could at least remember. The Vagaries of the Legal System It was never my intention to hurt anyone, Bradley told the court. I was just joking around. The judge was unconvinced. He thought that Bradley should have known that setting off his ICBM inside a crowded mall was bound to cause some damage. He sentenced the young man to 13 weeks of community service, all of it to be spent out of doors picking up trash. This seemed, to Bradley, monstrously unfair, and he complained about it for the rest of his life. But his tale of woe did serve to make his grandchildren, Todd, Sarah, and even Chad, a little bit more careful with their own ICBMs. So one could certainly argue that the legal system did its job that day. Andy the Ant If you were to look very, very closely at your lawn, assuming you have one, you might just catch a glimpse of Andy, the ubiquitous ant. A lot of entomologists would have you believe that there are more ants than people on the planet we call Earth, but it is not true. There are less than 4,000 in total. And that is spread out over the entire globe. Well, the dry bits really, but still. The reason that people, including some scientists, think that there are so many ants is because some of them just get around a lot. And the ant who is the most famous for this, amongst ants that is, is Andy. Probably over the course of your lifetime, assuming that you are exactly the same age as I am, you have personally seen Andy over one million times, which is a lot. So there's no need to panic if you see ants somewhere where you think they shouldn't be. It's not an infestation, it's only Andy. So just wave and shout out a friendly, Hi Andy! The Bridge That United a Community The inhabitants of Lower Marpulia wanted to build a bridge. They thought that building a bridge would help unite their community and also bring more attention to rest on their town, which they believed to be underappreciated. 
The only real problem with their plan was that there was nothing to build a bridge over or to. There were no rivers or other significant bodies of water near Lower Marpulia. There weren't even any ditches or depressions to be crossed. It was just totally flat all around the town. Then the Reeve, a tall man named Morris, had a brilliant idea. If they built a bridge that crossed nothing and went nowhere, that would really put them on the map. And so that's what they did. And people came from miles around to point and laugh. And occasionally take selfies. The fastest squirrel. There was no disputing the fact that Randy Nutbunch was the fastest squirrel in West St. Paul. Nobody could get up a tree any faster than Randy unless he or she were shot out of a cannon or used some other mechanical resource to do it. He was just simply too fast for anyone to match. But at the end of the day, Randy derived no real satisfaction from his scampering and climbing prowess. After all, he thought, what was up that tree that was so important? Nothing. He was just a tiny bit closer to the big, empty sky. Living rent-free. Wanda thought that there was a certain satisfaction to be derived from living totally rent-free. While others struggled all week at jobs they didn't care for, in order to scrape together the funds necessary to pay for their accommodation, Wanda was able to spend her days in quiet contemplation of the ultimate meaninglessness of all existence. Yes, there was some small pleasure to be gleaned from that, but honestly she was sick of living in that small depression in the asphalt of a busy road, what you or I might call a pothole. Can you blame her? The Magical Typewriter Once upon a time there was a small man named Ronald who owned a magical typewriter. This was, of course, a very special thing. But Ronald had no magical ribbon for his magical typewriter, so he was forced to use regular ribbon. This meant that the things Ronald wrote were not magical, but only a sort of half-assed magical. Let me give you an example. One time, Ronald wrote a story about a great big giant bird who would fly him around the world on her back. But because Ronald's story wasn't wholly magical, all that happened was that an overly large duck came over to his place and showed Ronald slides of his trip to Florida. Thought for today. A lot of people are like slinkies. Not of much use, but they'll provide you with a laugh if you give them a shove at the top of the stairs. That's it. That's all. Podcast is over. Remove your headphones. <laughs>